With Long Island local news on January 30th, 2023, I'm WLIWFM's Gianna Volpe. Following up on the Hart's most recent interview with Southampton Town Supervisor Jay Schneiderman, plans to revitalize the long-impoverished hamlet of Riverside will get a boost from a $5 million grant the federal government recently gave the town of Southampton to put toward a sewer system that could spur investment and development in the area, according to local officials. Jean-Paul Salamanca reports on Newsday.com that the grant funds, part of the federal omnibus bill, have been earmarked for a two-phase sewer system project that's seen as the linchpin of the Riverside Action Plan, a vision for revitalization incorporated into the zoning code uh, in 2015. Phase one of the project involves construction of a sewer plant, infrastructure, and pumping stations, while phase two would connect an estimated 682 pipes needed for the sewer system, according to town officials. Janice Shearer, Southampton's Planning and Development Administrator, told Newsday that while the costs of the sewer system are roughly $40 million, the new grant money will be a catalyst for pushing the project forward. A sewer system would provide environmental benefits by reducing the amount of nitrogen loading into the Peconic Estuary by uh, nearly 5,000 pounds per year, according to town estimates. Looking ahead, Southampton Town is working on a map and plan for the sewer district and applying for several grants, including seeking $10 million from the state in order to raise the rest of the project Funds. If funding comes through, Shearer said the town hopefully could request bids for construction by next year. Flying out to East Hampton, reducing air traffic at the East Hampton Town Airport could cause a ripple effect in, neighbor communi- in neighboring communities such as Montauk, where residents said they're worried about the consequences of flights diverting to Montauk's privately owned airport. The East Hampton Town Board recently began a lengthy environmental review of its town airport, located in Wayne Scott, as a requirement for its plan to transform it from public to private use. Joe Workmeister reports on Newsday.com that the town's goal is to implement stricter regulations, such as curfews for flights or restrictions based on aircraft type or noise limits. A potential permanent closure of the airport is also under review. A state Supreme Court judge in October temporarily blocked East Hampton from closing the airport pending the environmental review. The airport long has been a source of contention among East End residents who have complained about constant noise, particularly during summer. Residents on January 17 got their first chance to speak at a public hearing about a draft environmental impact statement. It sets the scope of what will be studied, according to Peter Ferro, who is working for the town as a senior planner with AKRF Environmental Planning and Engineering Consultants. At the hearing, questions were posed as to who would be responsible for fire suppression services and whether an airport crash tender, a specialized fire engine that could cost more than a million dollars, would be required at Montauk's airport if traffic increased. Would potential increased costs fall to taxpayers or the airport owner? The Montauk Airport with a 3,246-foot runway, uh, the Wayne Scott runway being 4,250 feet, uh, that airport is nestled between Lake Montauk and Block Island Sound at the end of the narrow two-lane East Lake Drive in Montauk. Written comment on the draft environmental impact statement ended Friday, and the East Hampton Town Board will issue a final draft in February or March. The findings summarizing the environmental impacts likely will be ready late this year. And finally, Long Island's gas prices crossed the $3.50 mark on Friday and are expected to rise across Nassau and Suffolk counties in the months to come. The national average price of regular gas should hit between $3.60 and $3.75 per gallon by March or April, according to projections by Denton uh, Cinquagrana, I would say that word is, chief oil analyst at the Oil Price uh, Information Service. Moody's Analytics projects that national gas price averages will remain close to their current levels for most of the year, but rise 
to between $3.75 and $4 per gallon this summer. Locally, Tory and Parrish reports on Newsday.com that no longer in effect are a 16 cents off New York state tax cap, a three-fourths of a cent off state sales tax suspension in the Metropolitan Commuter Transportation District, which includes Long Island or partial caps in Nassau and Suffolk counties of sale taxes for gas prices above $3 a gallon. Reading the weather in East Quag in honor of Ruth Ann Harnish joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about two films she helped make that had their first showings at the Sundance Festival last week. Looking like a mostly cloudy um, Monday with a high near 51 degrees. That looks a little better. I saw uh, earlier they were projecting sun, but it wasn't looking so and it doesn't look like uh, we're going to see much sun Calm wind becoming southwest around six miles per hour in the morning. And that all ahead of that chance of showers and uh, snow showers through tonight. Uh, Looking like rain before three and then a chance of rain and snow after that. Mostly cloudy otherwise with a low around 36 degrees. Uh, Let's hope that uh, staves off the snow uh, I imagine we won't see much tomorrow morning, but we'll see. Calm wind becoming northwest 5 to 7 miles per hour after midnight. Right now it's 39 degrees and it is the under edition of the heart. I promise you under the bridge. We've got Fiona Apples under the table and Queen and David Bowie's under pressure. After that, I'm Gianna Volpe and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Take me. 
You're listening to The Heart of the East and the weekday morning and midnight show on WLIWFM. I didn't want to go to this dinner You know I don't go for those ones that you bother about So when they say something that makes me start to simmer That fancy wine won't put this fire out Oh, kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up I'd like to buy you a pair of pillows, old hiking boots To help you with your climb Or rather to help the bodies that you step over along your route So they won't hurt like mine Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up I don't wanna go, leave me alone, don't push me Cookie, don't push me, don't you push me If you get me to go and I open my mouth to the mutton that they're talking about You could pout, but don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you shush me Get me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up I won't shut up If I don't wanna go, leave me alone Don't push me, cookie, don't push me Don't you push me If you get me to go and I open my mouth to the track for all of us hopping back to 81 for this next one the strokes on deck after queen and david bowie on wli wfm and of course that was the one and only fiona apple from the heart of the east ends under edition
from it all like a blind man sat on a fence but it don't work keep coming up with love but it's so slashed and torn that strokes track under control in my back pocket just for the time being leading up to the monday meditation segment we've got green river ordinances title track of their 2012 record under fire here on long island's only local npr radio station wliwfm the curtains you may let the sun rays shine right through But you're never gonna fix a thing They only shine on you Living off fairy tales we see on TV And I'm singing all your lullabies From memory Cause I'm a different I'm walking on a wire Won't you let me go I listen to the mothers and fathers and lovers too Can't help but see the good in this Slip right on Second chance But we're never gonna make it out Alive on romance Cause I'm a
The title track of Green River Ordinance's 2012 record, Under Fire, leading us to the bottom of the uh, 10 o'clock hour here on Monday morning, a little after 1 o'clock if you're listening to the replay. This has been the under edition in honor of Ruth Ann Harnish of East Quag, a filmmaker who just had two of her films at premiere at Sundance Festival this past week. Good morning, Ruth Ann. Thank you for being with us. Good morning or good afternoon to everyone. It's a pleasure to come today. It is so wonderful. Start by telling us a little bit about uh, the response thus far to both uh, Under God and Junum. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you that the response to Junum has been so varied. When I first saw it, it had already been accepted to Sundance, and it was looking for more money. And that's how I became an executive producer. had nothing to do with the film in its creation or the years it took to make it. Only when it had found acceptance at the premier film festival did it need finishing funds so that it could get the film in shape to be shown to so many people around the world. And Variety wasn't that thrilled. The the trade magazine reviewing it, Hollywood Reporter didn't think so much of it. The people who saw it in the theater, like me, seemed to love it. I loved it more every time I saw it. But a lot of people found it pokey and slow or didn't like the characters. Huh. So I I focused a lot of the conversation on Under God. Uh, So we'll we'll turn to that in a little bit because I wasn't able to get a, a login to watch Junum in time. But so tell me more about this film. About Junum. I'm sorry, I, you cut out for me a bit there. Tell me more about... Junum. What, it, what, what is the film about? Ah, well, the film is three generations of Iranian women, one of whom, the youngest, is searching for her roots, attempting to learn to speak Farsi, hoping to go back to Iran. And her mother, who escaped during the revolution, does has PTSD even thinking about her daughter trying right. to go there. Right. And the grandmother, who has also left Iran and left her beautiful life there when all things fell apart in the revolution, is the third presence. And at the end of the movie, we see that it's not just film by the daughter, the the granddaughter, the filmmaker, it's also credited to the mother and the grandmother, because each of them took part in this, and their story is as important one after the other. There's no one story, it's all three of their stories. And interestingly, at Sundance, there were three movies about generations of Iranian women. Junum, a true story. Then there was a very lighthearted three-generation movie called The Persian Version that had dancing and fun and a, a lot of romance and drama. And then there was a mother-daughter story called Shana. And filmmakers of all of these movies got to be on panels and to discuss what they all had in common and what the differences were. And when you ask about the reaction to this movie, women seem to like it more than men, Mm. maybe because of the mother-daughter-grandmother situation, maybe because... Those relationships cross cultures and boundaries and time, and a lot of women can relate. And I'm sure a lot of women could uh, relate 
to Under God as well, a short film telling the story not only of the national Jewish response to the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, a Supreme Court decision, but the perspective of people from various religious beliefs as well as lawyers who focus entirely on constitutional law. Now, while overturning Roe erased a half-century of national precedent, let's talk about a new uh, or perhaps the establishment of a new state precedent as far as a win last month in Indiana where a judge ruled that that state's abortion ban violated uh, the state and Religious Freedom Restoration Act and what this could mean for the nearly half of American states that have RIFRA laws as well as the interplay between states that have RIFRA laws and abortion bans that passed following the overturning of Roe. Once again, here is a film that was largely completed when it came to me to ask for financial involvement. And I was thrilled to participate. I've put money in something like 200 films over the course of my career. And there's a strong preponderance toward reproductive freedom. And this is such a fabulous way of using the existing system to produce freedom under religious law. The rabbi who was part of this short film, 23 minutes, packing a lot in, had so much to say about how the Christian attempt to outlaw abortion on the basis of their belief that life begins at conception is not the same belief as the Jewish law and tradition, which holds that life begins when the baby takes its first breath. And so to make a law that impinges upon that religious tradition is now being challenged. And, you know, I respect other people's beliefs and, and thoughts about when life begins. I just prefer that they do not impose their beliefs on all. The stories that are told show that Many of the late term, or I'm sorry, many of the what some call late, but are truly within legal guidelines of abortion, really need to be free for health reasons for so many women. It's a life-saving procedure. And to deny it on religious grounds is not what I'd like to see. Well, and this film makes a very good case. Yeah, and the rabbi yeah. came to Sundance and got up and talked in the Q&A, and I think one of few hearts and minds. Barry Silver we're talking about? Indeed. Yes. Yes. I, it, you know, and it's interesting because it's, it's, um, it's not just the Jewish faith, but Muslim as well. And I was fascinated by the lawsuit that was just recently filed by Rachel Lasser and and the um, American, uh, the group, the Americans uh, for separation of church and state alongside the National Women's Law Center. Uh, one that has been joined by nine clergy members of various religious faiths arguing that a state abortion ban undermines church and state separation and religious freedom by imposing one religious viewpoint over all religious viewpoints. It's really interesting how uh, seeking uh, religious freedom from one uh, area is is then restricting other religious faiths. So it, it, it feeds back into that importance uh, of the separation between church and state at all. I know that the suit is fresh and perhaps not likely to be decided soon, but I did want to leave some space for you to comment on that. Well, 
<laughs> you know more about it than I do. I would like to throw in one more thing from the Sundance Festival, a movie called Plan C, that when all else fails, that there is a network of women attempting to get the legal abortion pills that are available by telemedicine and have them available to women who no longer want to be pregnant. The challenge of reproductive freedom is being addressed in so many ways. And this movie, Plan C, talks about the women who have been willing to break laws in some states in order to guarantee that women can have bodily autonomy. So I would say... You are the expert on the court cases. I have been brought in to some of the movies that are talking about these issues in great detail. And I'm so sorry that the Sundance Film Festival ended at midnight last night. People have been able to access these films online right up until (laughs) this day started legally. So I'm sorry that. No, the chance at Sundance, but I hope people will look for Plan C. I don't know where we can see Under God or Junum in the future because they haven't received distribution deals. All I can say is keep Googling if you are interested. Yes, and I have to say that the only reason that I know uh, the things that I do is because of of, uh, being able to view Under God. I learned so much. I learned about... Uh, that these that uh, the bans will increase pregnancy related deaths by twenty one percent or have uh, more than thirty percent in black and brown women. Uh, another uh, thing I learned is that in twenty forty six the country will be majority black and brown, with which only uh, sort of increases the importance of what's going on here. Uh, when we talk about um, uh, what has happened in this country in the past year alone, uh, so grateful to you, Ruth Ann Harnish, not only for what you've done in, in bringing a new film into the world, but also as uh, to you as an expert in the fact that how many films did you see at Sundance? Oh, gosh, I... I think 27. I, and, More than and, 30 uh, if you count if you this count, short, yes. If you count two that I watched in their raw form when they were looking for money and I said no to, then 29. <laughs> so thoughts, I mean, what, what were your favorites this year? Oh, so many different kinds, so many different genres. I think the one that I would recommend to anyone who wants to know about the status of women in this world is the disappearance of Cher Height, S-H-E-R-E-H-I-T-E. And you are too young to know her name, I bet. But when I was a young woman, she was one of the most outspoken and controversial leaders of feminist thought. And nobody's ever heard of her these days. And this documentary takes us through why women started complaining about their lot in life in in the 1960s. And career was certainly worth... Uh, exploring today. My favorite movie, just for entertainment, was I Am Everything, The Little Richard Story. Uh, It was sheer entertainment and history of queerness and blackness in entertainment as well. I loved um, Still Small Voice the story of a chaplain at Mount Sinai Hospital during COVID. Oh, wow. It's kind of a master class 
in how to talk to people in crisis. Oh, beautiful. And how to be with people in suffering and pain, in grief and loss. It's a beautiful movie. I loved Last Things, which it's a very trippy look at rock. <laughs> Geology, really fascinating. How many more do you want to oh know? Oh my about? gosh, you know, Ruthann, I'm enjoying this so much. Uh, please keep going, keep going. Okay. Here's a, a one that's fiction called Mama Cruz. It is about an older woman. It's all subtitled. Uh, who discovers through accidentally seeing a snippet of pornography on her computer that she is interested in sex. Nice. (laughs) And, And it is a delightful exploration of... And Mama Cruz is like your that her grandma name. Her first name is Cruz, and so Mama Cruz is like Grandma. And Grandma turns into a very aware of herself, older woman. It's a beautiful thing to see. Yes. Um, Let's see. If you like the Indigo Girls, I I have not been a lifelong fan. I had at least four opportunities to invest in this movie. But I said, I think if you're going to put money into a movie, you ought to be a fan of the artist. Oh, that makes sense, yes. It's only life after all. And it's very long, but it's the story of the Indigo Girls. Beautiful. I loved... Moon is the TV, the story of Nam June Pike, the first video artist. I'm 72 years old, and I remember reading about him in Reader's Digest when I was maybe in kindergarten at my grandma's house, saying, what an unusual name. Because I never heard of a man named June, Nam June Pike, and his career was astounding. I I highly recommend that one. Ruth, I Ruth one of my friends. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say because we're we're getting close. Uh, as much as I, I I'm loving every minute of, of this, I did have one more question before I let you go, and that is uh, about the uh, the impetus of your love. For film, how did it all start for you? My career, <laughs> I used to be a talk radio host and a disc jockey. I'm not at all. I'm not at TV, all surprised. Not at all surprised. And, and a TV newscaster and reporter and a newspaper op-ed columnist and feature writer. So for storytelling was the way I earned my money and how I relate to the world. And filmmaking is storytelling. Yes. And one of my friends wanted to make her own movie about her life in a boarding school. And she asked us all for money. Even though she had plenty, she said, I need buy-in in my project. And I said, okay. I'm in. I support you. I love it. And then somebody else was making a movie of her family. And, oh, I recommend this one. It's called Traces of the Trade. And it's about a family that was a slaveholding family. And she, her family wealth was generated by the slave trade. And she used her wealth to make this money and start reparations, if you will. Wow. So, yeah, I know. I love <laughs> so it. These are the kind of people who are making the movies yes. around me. And 
once you put money in one movie, you never have to go looking for another movie to put money in because people find you. They will find you. Ruth and I they hope they will find you. I hope I hope you will join us in the studio next year for uh the next Sundance report. It was an honor to have you on with us this morning, Ruth Ann Harnish, uh, the Monday meditation segment on the heart of the East End. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, this is The Strokes. As I, You know what? I'm actually going to hop over both The Strokes and Parachute. Both tracks are called Under Control. You can find them on the playlist for today's edition. Hopping straight forward to Golden Apples. This is Under the Sun. Uh, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Stay tuned. Golden Apples on WLIWFM. I was having such a tough time disconnecting from Ruth Ann because I was so 
mesmerized and loved both the way she spoke and what she was speaking about as far as films to look out for from this year's Sundance Festival that I'm going to have to put a lot of today's playlist in my back pocket. Fear not. I'm going to make this into an all-music under edition of The Heart for a future day. Um, hopping over Sam Wright from The Little Mermaid Under the Sea. We've got Men at Works Down Under. And then we'll leave you or lead you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour with Mountain Man's Underwear from the Magic Ship record of 2018. Uh, this is Men at Work. I'm Jenna Volpe. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM NPR Radio. Music from all decades and genres, interviews from, with folks from all walks of life, all morning and midnight long, all because of you, the listener supporter of WLIWFM. This last one really made me laugh. It sounded like a song that I co-wrote with my dad. Mountain Man, I believe is the artist's name, which also <laughs> reminds me of my dad. Uh, great show this morning. Deep bow to both of our guests, Dr. Aaron Sasson, as well as Ruth Ann Harnish, and underwriter Jennifer Benton. And all of you listener supporters out there... This world is a chill pair of underwear. All I want in this world is a chill pair of underwear. All I want, all I want, all I want in this world is a chill pair of underwear. 
a chill pair of underwear all i want in this world is my mother's old t-shirt all i want in this world is my mother's old t-shirt all i want all i want all i want in this world is my mama's shirt I'll make it work in a chill pair of underwear. And my dad's old blue jeans, mm -hmm. faded Levi's. I only need a few things to feel alright. It's not like I need everything. My mama's shit. My dad's blue jeans. I'll grow into them eventually. In my chill pair of underwear. Sending that one out to all of you hand-me-down uh, thrift lovers out there. I'm Gianna Volpe of the Heart of the East End on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.